0: to this week's guest, Matt Colick, who writes songs and performs them with enthusiasm. He also writes blog posts, but those aren't quite as fun as the songs, although they're super interesting. Uh, He hosts a sporadically updated podcast called The Matt Colick Show 2, which I think is really awesome, and you can hang out with Matt by visiting his world at mattcolick.com. I connected with Matt through a Zoom call that was hosted by The Church of Chill, uh, which is an online community centered around music, following your creative muse, and all those kinds of awesome things. And today we're here to talk about a little bit about the stories uh, behind Matt's new album, uh, Microorganism. He's been kind enough to share uh, a few of those songs that will appear on that album, Maybe not exactly the same version, but that's okay. We get our own extra special Archives for Alien version of these songs, which you'll get to hear at the end of the podcast. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, We're going to touch upon fear around making music into a full-time career, the importance of plant medicine, and waking up to a life of limitless potential. Let's jump right in.
1: where the bodies are buried I've seen how the sausage gets made The cat's out of the bag that I carry My groundwork is getting laid
0: Hello everyone and welcome to Archives for Aliens, a podcast recorded for future life on Earth, planet Earth. Consciousness, creativity, the nature of reality, cool people making things, and life outside the box. What makes you tick?
2: Ah, oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to describe this image. Wow, it really reminds me of like home where I grew up. Um, it's a, it's like a flat landscape, um, there, there are, uh, there's like a stand of trees, a grove of uh, what looks like it's, it's probably like a fall or wintertime scene with a stand of trees in the background, a scraggly looking, uh, coniferous pine type tree. Um, it almost looks like a figure of a woman um, in the midground, And then in the foreground, I see like the trunk of, of another tree, possibly deciduous, uh, possibly another coniferous tree. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it, it kind of looks like a, almost a bleak scene, almost like, um, like in the, uh, the opposite end of the cycle from vegetation. (laughs) We're at, we're at that end. That's kind of what it makes me think of.
0: How do you think that relates to something that you'd like to share with the world tonight?
2: Oh boy. Um, it kind of, um, I was, I was thinking about my state of mind recently and kind of where I've been at the last several weeks, and it it, it does kind of feel like, um, we're on the like the, the bottom end of the waveform before like climbing back up to the peak again. So it does kind of match what that landscape um, makes me think about. like like that's kind of where I'm at in life. I'm not like it's not springtime. things are not blooming. I'm not in the full flower of, of summer or anything like that. Um, I'm just kind of resting and like taking care of my body and <laughs> getting rid of aches and pains and having te- teeth removed and, uh, things like that, like recovering and, uh, gearing up for the spring. That's, that's kind of what it feels like.
0: Do you always feel like your life goes in cycles?
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like whenever I try to resist that idea, it seems like, that I um, that notion just begets, it gets more more strong, more evident like, oh I see this is another cycle happening. I'm in the part of the cycle where I think that life doesn't happen in cycles. Um, <laughs> and I recognize that and then I realize, oh yeah, it does happen in cycles for sure.
0: What else do you believe about the nature of reality?
2: Um, I try not to have any beliefs <laughs> about reality like it, because no one, no one actually knows. I think there, there is like a consensus. That's that's why we have the term consensus reality. Because um, there are a number of things we all agree on, um, and so because of that, we can all share this world together. Um, you know, one time on on a, a very very powerful journey on on magic mushrooms, um, I decided to go see a Grateful Dead cover band at a bar. Um, And it was like, um, I probably shouldn't have, I I probably should have like waited an hour before going out. I went up to the bar. I was going to order a water and a beer. um, And I just had this experience where like everything around me just turned into um, like a blank construct. And I had this moment where I, I realized like, there really is nothing. All there is, is whatever my mind is making of whatever that mechanism is that makes sense of like things around me um, right now it's it's stopped working for a second um, and all I can notice is like this blank construct around me and then eventually that construct filled back in with the you know the people in their tie-dye shirts and the smell of pot smoke and like you know um, the white people with dreads and, <laughs> and the whole thing at the Grateful Dead cover band show. And I had an excellent time but like there was a moment there where it's like, no, none of this is real all there is is like what, like I'm whatever sense I'm making of it and I suspect that's actually true for all of us. And and thankfully we, um, we can all relate on that fact and that's why we have this consensus. Um, but beliefs. Um, yeah, I, I try not to have any beliefs about it because those get shattered.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I know what you mean. I used to have the tagline for my website was "To be certain is not to know." Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, totally. It's like a form of um, like stiffness and rigidity, and like tightness like to be it's it's almost like being closed off like you've decided this is the way it is it means like there's no room for any other conception of how things might be yeah
0: I have to say I took it too far though like to the point that I like wasn't believing in anything and then I got Mm. really sad yeah so yeah the last couple years I've actually been moving more towards the idea of like okay it's all right to believe in something now and change my mind but still having that in the back of my mind
2: yeah yeah i I know what you mean it can get like it can swing to that place where it's like completely like nihilistic and like nothing is real nothing matters and yeah i can get in that place too sometimes and like what usually brings me back is just noticing that there are patterns you know like patterns do exist it's undeniable um and then we also have these consciousnesses that sense these patterns. Like um, there, there's something going on. So like, you know, that's, that's enough to keep me coming back or to keep me believing that there is like meaning to things.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's more about like interacting with people reminds me of that.
2: Yeah. I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> if I were more of a, like, like I'm a I'm a, an introvert and a, like a very highly sensitive person. And like, um, like I, I recognize when I, uh, like say something like I just said, and then I recognize that for most people, like the connections they have is with other people. For me, that's not always the case. Um, but I'm starting to like really recognize the, the impact other people have on my life and the, uh, just like shattering the illusion of separation requires me to like find common ground with people and to like challenge myself to interact and to like get to know and to love and to like be a part of the community. Um, Yeah. It's an interesting, it's, it's like a new thing for me, (laughs) but I'm, I would say like, especially during this time um, yeah. Connecting with people is like super important. Yeah. And it's like, uh re- reminding us that we have a shared experience like there's at least part of this whole thing that we're sharing together
0: yeah yeah and I, I relate to that being an artist too sometimes mm-hmm. I go through periods where like my paintings are my friends mm-hmm. my best friends I mean they probably still are but <laughs> do you have yeah, that with yeah. your music
2: sometimes it's like um yeah it's it's kind of love hate sometimes um like right now I'm in a like in a state of sort of creative constipation where it's like, I've got this album that's been recorded. All I have to do is mix it and get it mastered and then it can be out. And then I feel like once that's done, like I can start writing songs again and like really getting into the creative process. But um, yeah, there's like the music is like... The, At the core of my being, it's the thing I always return to when I'm feeling down. All I have to do is pick up a guitar and like I can find the chord that fits the mood I'm feeling, all that. But then since I've been trying to do music more seriously and to um, try to actually make a living at it in recent years, um, there are all the other aspects to music (laughs) that are like not about making music necessarily. Um, But it's also like I'm discovering that again, other people. Like, I want to collaborate with other people. I don't want to do it all by myself. Like, this album was, like, sort of important for me to just put out there and do it basically all by myself. But through this process, I'm I'm learning that that's not how I want to do it in the future. Like, I want to collaborate with people. Um, I want to find people to help me, you know, mix and, like, produce me. Like, w- recording was, um, and I've, I've, done a lot of recording but this time like i really was mindful of myself as the artist and myself as the producer the producer who has to get the performance out of the artist like all the tricks i have to do to like get a good vocal out of myself or to get inspired to play a good guitar solo um like sometimes i just don't want to do it um but the work has to get done and so i need to be the producer who like finds a creative way to like get the work done without killing the vibe, um, that whole thing, and to like go between those roles and to also play the role of the engineer who has to like work the computer and like set markers on the screen and set up microphones and get levels and all of that. So um, yeah, that's kind of a long winded way to (laughs) answer your question about um, how I feel about music being my friend.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I do think that being an, an artist as a career requires you to mm-hmm. be like multiple different people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure.
2: Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. And it's, yeah, I, I really like, I'm craving like partnership in in the realm of music. Like, and I think that's, what's like, um, like I'm in my forties now, I kind of like withered away in my 20s any any opportunities i had to like like have a life in music but now i feel like this cycle has kind of come around again and i think one of the lessons that i'm I'm learning is that it's like it doesn't happen unless like i connect with other people like i partner with other people like if i make something i have to share it or um you know if I want to like really push the boundaries of what I'm capable of creatively, like I need to work with other people, Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, sometimes I feel like something isn't necessarily real until it's like shared, Mm -hmm. because then it's seen.
2: Right, right. Yeah, there's, um, this is, yeah, that's an idea that's like, I feel like is coming up a lot, like listening to podcasts and like, I was watching I think this was on a YouTube video. I was watching like some kind of music mixing tutorial or something like that. Um, Or maybe it was like Duncan Trussell's podcast, who knows? (laughs) Like this is the, these are the worlds I traverse. Um, But somebody says like a piece of art is not finished until it ships. Like it's not art until like it has an audience, like. And like in the scientific world, there's like the whole idea of observation, like a, a thing like doesn't happen unless it's observed, or the observation of the thing like can't not have an impact on the event that happens, like that whole idea. like so yeah, you can't just a person can't just make art in a vacuum. like I don't think it's finished until like somebody lays eyes on it or hears it or experiences it or has to reckon with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think of it too as like having a conversation with it.
1: Mm.
2: yeah bringing their
0: own awareness into it whatever that means Mm -hmm. yeah do you have a certain intention or message that you you wish to share like within the album of microorganism
2: it's um not um i guess some themes have have come together um the idea for the album was um patched like back in March when all of the the pandemic stuff really went down that that middle week of March, uh, when everything kind of changed, um, I had some songs pulled together that I was going to start like recording, like a proper album. Um, But then once the pandemic started and there was sort of this this crack in the nature of our perception of reality, I, I started thinking, I don't wanna do that main album anymore. I wanna take all these oddball songs I've written and just record them really quickly and put them out, and it's going to be messy. Um, it's going to be just like a five-song EP, and like, blah. It's going to be out there. I'm not going to worry about like making the songs viable for like licensing for film or commercials or television or whatever. It's just going to be like the purest. Like I'm just going to put this thing out there. Since then, like two more songs have been added to it, so it's now seven tracks, which is like for the purposes of getting on the streaming services, to be called an album, you need to have it be at least 30 minutes or have seven tracks. So I decided, well, if I put two more tracks on it, then it's an album. So it expanded from an EP into an album. And then um, during the recording process, I just kept on getting more and more like ideas about like how I wanted to go about getting these sounds recorded and, and representing these songs I've written. Um, And then the more I like worked with the songs, which were just these kind of outlier oddball songs, I didn't know what to do with that I had written like over the previous couple of years, um, like they started like kind of coming together in a way that sort of like, I don't know, it's not quite a concept album, but it it seems to be about something. It seems to be like about kind of what we're going through now and kind of like how we got to this place. And there's definitely a, a looking forward to a different kind of future, which I don't know if I'd be looking forward to that if not for like the crack in reality caused by the COVID pandemic, where like, wait a second, capitalism isn't real. We don't have to do this. Like now's our chance to make this world. And so um, yeah, a lot of it is reckoning with our recent past, my recent past, and also reckoning with the possibilities of a future. So that's that's kind of like what microorganism is all about, um, and now it's like a year after our, almost a year. It's eleven months now. It was gonna I was gonna finish it in like a couple of weeks, um, but now it's be, it's become like this. It's my main album. It's like my debut solo album that I'm going to put out, and so there's all this pressure on it too. Um, but I realize now, like I just have to get it out there. <laughs> Um, just have fun with it. I think I need to get back to that original kind of messy, have fun with it idea, and uh, have one more push of mixing it, and then be able to get it out there.
0: That's really exciting.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very, very excited about it. Like, I, I'm really happy with the songs. I'm happy with the performances I got, um, and like it'll be nice to finally like point people to like a piece of music like I've been doing this music thing I've got YouTube videos and stuff but like where can I listen to your music well I don't know <laughs> like I don't have any albums and I but I've just been doing like the solo acoustic singer songwriter thing but like that's not how these songs exist in my head at all so I'm really eager to get them out with like full production and like keyboards and electric guitars and all the bells and whistles and psychedelic swooshy swirling effects and reverbs and all that.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll definitely get the link to the album in the description (laughs) for this podcast, whenever it comes out, we'll get it in there. Um, Yeah. So tell me more about what's this future that, that you want to create or that you want the world to have.
2: It's, um, one of the songs I'm going to be uh, supplying for the podcast, it's um, it's called "Jump on Top of the World with Me," um, and this this one kind of like sums up the idea. It's sort of like once all the fires have burned out, like we can't retreat, and and like and like we need to survive, and and a lot of this is just metaphorical. Um, like we can't retreat to our bunkers and expect to survive. We need to like jump on top of the world and come together and be out and be like up and in the light and in the sun and seen. Um, And our survival is going to depend on like shattering the illusion of separation and actually coming together. Um, And so it's sort of an offer to jump on top of the world with me. Let's not like hide alone in our bunkers. Let's get up and do the thing together and create a new world that's that's kind of the idea behind it and it kind of culminates in that song which is not at all what I was thinking when I wrote it I don't even know what I was thinking when I wrote it it, it sort of just revealed itself recently
0: so you have no idea where like where that seed came from
2: it's well it's the the process like kind of I have a lot of fun with the songwriting process. It's, it's like my favorite part of the whole thing because it's like I get to create whole worlds out of, you know, from scratch and they can be whatever I want. Um, and they can like start from anything. And I was at this particular time, I was really into like um, writing songs like based on a verb because like people respond to songs that have verb titles like, and this is when I was kind of still thinking about like, really like being calculated about like getting my songs into film and television and commercials and like there's certain themes music supervisors look for certain like titles and words and like verbs and action are like really important so i wanted a song that had the word jump in it (laughs) and so that's where it started um and then i was um i think i was listening to a podcast or something about that idea kind of of like Like going underground or like coming together in community. So I guess that was sort of there at the beginning, but I wasn't really thinking of it as more as like the broad theme of the song, much less like one of the major themes of an album. Um, So it kind of started with that verb jump and then a couple of chords and then like a little melody. And so there was jump and then I needed some other words and on top of the world jump on top of the world like um like there's a feeling of like being on top of the world i like to like whenever possible take like common phrases or you know sayings or things like that that have rolled out of people's mouths many many times if i can put those into my songs in an original way that's that's cool too so there was jump on top of the world with me and then from that point it was just when it's down to the lyrics, I'm really just struggling to, to finish the thing and to feel like it's not crap, like, okay, this is fine. Um, so I strung enough words together to get to the point where I like filled up the music with enough words. And then I kind of set it aside and I dug it out last March and yeah, it, it turned out to have some some relevance, some weight to it.
0: I like the word jump because... <laughs> change is scary and it does like require you to jump, but jumping is also fun. Mm-hmm. It's like jumping off a diving board. Like the first time you do it, it's really scary, but you're going to feel so good afterwards.
2: Yeah. 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 It's like so active and it's all, it's always like, um, like, I don't think people, when they think of the word jump, they probably don't think of just jumping in place. It's like jumping to something or jumping from something or yeah, there's always another like a next thing to it yeah that's a cool observation.
0: yeah yeah it, like implies that the new reality is like somehow already there we're already building it
2: mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah. we are definitely <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like like literally like we are creating the new world like everything like doing this podcast like writing songs making up uh, painting like this is like these are the things that actually are the world
0: yeah. Like yeah. sharing new ways about how the world could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there a moment in your life when you realized that you wanted to do music as a career?
2: Um, yeah, there, have there have been several moments and it's, it's one of those cycles. Like um, I knew early on in my life that music would be super important. Um, like, when I was like aware enough to like ask for what I wanted for my birthday or Christmas, what I wanted was like musical instruments and stuff. Like I wanted drums and keyboards and like I wanted a record player when I was a little kid. And I remember bringing like pots and pans and like utensils and things on the school bus in like kindergarten or first grade and like trying to get my friends to play them like instruments. And I wanted to start a band. Um, it's like all I wanted to On do. On the
0: school bus. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> it didn't last long. That, yeah, that group went defunct pretty quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. School, school, school bus bands usually burn out pretty quickly as it turns out. <laughs> school bus based. Rock That's an early outfits. start though. It is. Yeah. And I've always just like been fascinated by the world of music and musicians and, the, and, like the lifestyles and like in the eighties, the way they dressed. And like, when I, I was a little kid in the eighties and, you know, Michael Jackson and like hair metal and like the, the clothes and like like watching Van Halen videos and David Lee Roth is like jumping 20 feet in the air and doing a splits and, and like singing the song jump, Um like all that stuff. And then going back to like the, um, the sort of like 60s psychedelic era. And um, like, I've always felt like super connected to that era as well. Like, um, you know, bands like the Beatles, like Led Zeppelin was my favorite band when I was a mullet headed teenager. Um, and there was just something about the mystery and the magic associated with that that music, the, the sort of the unknown, the uh, ineffable, the, you know, it just felt so connected to me. So like I always felt sort of called to music, but growing up, it was sort of like I grew up in a very rural, rural community in central Wisconsin, agricultural, um, and there weren't a lot of like models for how to live that sort of life. And so like I just focused on like being a good kid and trying to get good grades and um, really suppressing that aspect of me. Then in my 20s, after graduating high school, I thought, okay, now it's the time. Like my talents are finally going to be discovered. <laughs> like I don't have to do anything, I just have to exist. And then somebody will find me and give me a multimillion dollar record contract or whatever. I had such a shitty attitude about it. I didn't realize like, no, I, I should be writing songs. I should be like really working on my craft and like learning how to sing properly so I can do it night after night without hurting myself. and like all that stuff, I had no idea any of that. I thought it was just going to be handed to me. So that was um, that was a dark time once I like the slowly realizing like, oh my God, I'm like 30 now. And uh, like, I'm just working this dumb day job and like, I can't be like hanging around like the college scene anymore, going to clubs and like thing, I got to get serious. And so there was sort of this down period where I just was resigned to the fact like, music is going to be a hobby. It's gonna be this thing like, once all my chores are done, I can pick up the guitar and I don't know, whatever. Um, a couple years ago, um, I had this idea that I just really wanted to write songs. I, I don't know what compelled me, but I spent the whole year of 2018 with the goal of writing at least two songs a month. Um, and then during that process, I had a number of psychedelic experiences. There were a number of, like, that was a heavy year for um, psychedelic journeys, as it turns out too, um, which tied into the creation of those songs as well. Um, I just kept on getting the message that this is my other shot. Like now, like whatever cycle, like now I'm in a place where I'm getting that opportunity again. Um, So I better write some songs. I better be serious about it. I better like, I don't know, be more, professional about it and to like do the hard stuff and to reach out for bookings and to like go towards my fears about it too. I think that's super important like to like wherever those fears are, those are like the actual stepping stones to where a person wants to be. So over the last couple of years, I feel like I've gotten another shot at music and um, like, I'm just going for it. Like, I don't care if I'm like middle-aged now, I don't care if I fit into whatever demographic, as long as I'm authentic, like, I know my songs are good. Um, Like, I love them. So like probably other people somewhere will love them too. Um, But I've just like, I have more confidence than ever about it. And like, I'm just going for it. And it doesn't matter (laughs) if I'm successful or not, because the act of going for it, the act of doing that work is the most fulfilling thing, you know?
0: Yeah, con- conquering the fear, stepping up to them.
2: Yeah, totally, totally.
0: I wrote down this quote from your bio that I wanted to share at some point. <laughs> this will be the point. I tore down my life and rebuilt it with psychedelic construction materials. That yeah. is, that's just such an interesting statement. Yeah. <laughs> so is that 2018?
2: It's, I had my... Um, major spiritual awakening back in, uh, 2015, it was, um, yeah, April of 2015 on my half birthday, April 2nd. Um, and, um, that's kind of when it all started. Like I lost the, I had been sort of an angry atheist, like super rigid. This is what I believe. This is real. That's not like that, that whole attitude, the like, fuck the world. I hate people. Blah blah blah. That that whole sort of um, sort of caustic, like meh, um, angry attitude. Um, and I was like, actually, like, I certainly wasn't doing music. I had a guitar hanging on my wall that I would pick up every once in a while, and I would play through like the same three songs, and then put it back up on the wall. Um, and I was feeling like pretty suicidal at that time. I was actually looking up methods of suicide online I had several tabs open on my browser just there um and yeah I wasn't quite ready to like take action that way but also like if I crossed the street and didn't look and got hit by a bus that would have been fine too you know like I was it was I was in that place um and then one night I was like just feeling like shit and I was like like drinking all the cold medicine and like just putting all the like drinking beers and wine and like putting all sorts of shit in my body and feeling like crap and wanting to kind of pass out or meet oblivion somehow. And I found this old bag of magic mushrooms in the back of my closet that had been there for like probably four years. They should, they probably should not have been active still at that point, but I just ate them all, went out on a walk. Um, And by the time I got home from my walk, I was like, "Things are different now. I don't, I don't know if I'm an atheist. I might believe in God now." As it turns (laughs) out, Um, like not God in the like sort of basic, general understanding Sunday school version of God, but like, oh, God is like a concept that encompasses like everything. Um, And actually, I don't oh, like, why am I rigidly sticking to all these beliefs? Like, I can be whatever I want. I can think whatever I want. I can, I don't have to attach myself to the story that brought me here or whatever, like, story I'm telling about where my future is headed. Like, that's all, like, like, I can change it at any time. Like, I can be flexible. I can be, like, plastic. Um, And so that's when things kind of got, like, really torn down. And that's when I, like, started to build them up again in a way that's, like all the structures of how I like believe and how I like think about my values, like it's I the most important thing is to make sure that it's done with flexibility and to not be rigid about it. Um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I mean by rebuilding because the, the psychedelic experience just kind of erases all that ego stuff um, and it kind of reshifts the perspective in a way that's like loosens the grip and it's um yeah it's just more fun flexible and free living this way and I think that's kind of the the rebuilding process I described there
0: yeah that that that's such a powerful story
2: Mm. thank you (laughs) yeah
0: thank you for thank you for sharing that and all the details too
2: oh sure sure yeah I'm always that's like um since that awakening happened I I realized that part of what I'm here to do is to tell that story or versions of it. And like, um, yeah, yeah. And if, if people want to learn more, there is an episode of my podcast, the Matt Collick show um, early on, that goes like in the real deep dive of that story, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And I do, I think it's really important too for people to hear like the power of plant medicine. Mm -hmm.
2: Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, at, at, and up to that point, I had like, of course, been on, been prescribed, um, you know, all the SSRIs, all the anti-anxiety medications, um, you know, all that stuff. I was super dependent on alcohol. Um, yeah, it, it really, like I had been like a a total stoner um, up to that point. And so I believed in the power of cannabis, but like my perspective on using cannabis changed completely too, Um to the point where now it just feels like a partnership and like, yeah, total plant medicine. Like I, I help her out. She helps me out. It's like, it's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all about the relationship.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, even though like I, you know, smoke a lot of cannabis and eat a lot of edibles and stuff. Like I still am, like mindful of it and like appreciative of like the, the power of what I'm connecting with when I when I do that. You know? So it's like like being respectful, but also like not being like a fundamentalist about it. Like it's okay to have fun and like get stoned and laugh at shit too. Um, and it's also like for in my opinion, it's okay to like not have a big ceremony around your psychedelic experiences too. It's okay to just have purely recreational trips just for shits and giggles too like that's something I've definitely learned is to not be a fundamentalist about stuff like that like the ceremony and the intention setting and and all of that stuff certainly has its place and that's certainly like one of the more powerful ways you can engage with psychedelics but um like I've had some pretty powerful and memorable and life-altering experiences just like watching cartoons too you know yeah yeah
0: no I agree I think I think it's it's all about the balance and I think if you are in any one camp about any of it
1: Mm -hmm. just
0: it'll come back to kick you in the butt the other way usually yeah (laughs) anytime I've ever had any strong opinion on something it's like reversed Mm -hmm. I'm like okay yeah yeah. uh not gonna have any more strong opinions then
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah 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 and then like you said partnership it's like like if I were w- working with a- another person in partnership with something and I just like treated them one way the whole time and like could never like joke around with them, and like I like refused to see all the many facets of their personality that would that would suck for for everyone involved. So I try to do the same with the cannabis and the you know the psilocybin, which is my sort of chosen psychedelic sacrament yeah slash party buddy,
0: yeah, no, it's interesting too now I'm thinking about it like if it's your friend like you have friends I've I, I don't know probably other people have friends like this where it's like you mm-hmm. see a friend all the time and then you guys kind of go on a little break but then you mm-hmm. see each other again and yeah yeah
2: yeah totally it's not like yeah it's it's not like your only interaction with your friend is going to church like sometimes you go to Burger King uh <laughs> <you know? laughs> or whatever yeah yeah.
0: That just reminds me I have not tried the Beyond burger yet.
2: No. <laughs> I haven't either. Um, the beyond, what it, what is the Beyond burger?
0: It's um it's a meatless burger that Burger King has.
2: Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, it sounds kind of scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've had the Beyond like the Beyond meat. It's actually pretty have good. You? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I really do actually do want to try that. Annie and I, my partner, Annie, um, like we've been talking a lot about easing ourselves into um, a more plant-based meatless diet this year and we're doing okay. Like we haven't had bacon all year and like we've mostly just had meat like when we've ordered takeout, but um, like it would be nice to be able to find like alternatives to some of those, those favorites, like a, you know, a big greasy burger is like I don't know it's very satisfying and if the beyond burger can satisfy that that would be amazing that would be like a a big milestone in our efforts
0: yeah yeah and I I mean my like at least what I do I'm always working on that effort understanding that maybe it's okay if I don't get there for me yeah
2: yeah (laughs) for sure yeah it's yeah you got to be forgiving with yourself
0: yeah but it's been it's been fun It's always fun.
2: Right. Yeah, there have been times in my life where I've like been a vegetarian and have been able to kind of hang on to that and and live that life. But it's like, yeah, it's, if I'm not flexible about it, again, the flexibility, then it's like doomed to fail for sure. So it's like, yeah, whatever, I might like have like a piece of steak or something every once in a while that doesn't mean I lose my vegetarian card or whatever. I guess maybe it would mean that I would lose my vegetarian card, but like, what's a vegetarian card? Who cares?
0: Right. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at (laughs) with it. I was actually, I was a vegetarian for Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of uh, high school for probably four or five years and actually was, Mm. made me really unhealthy. Really? So I haven't figured out a way to do it where like it aligns with my body.
2: Uh, Yeah. Was it the sort of like where, like you wouldn't eat meat, but then all like, it was just like chips and soda and like junk food type stuff. Or or how did it manifest at that time?
0: Um, I mean, no, I wasn't eating chips. I, well, I wasn't actually eating enough ah. and I can't eat very many beans make me sick. Like a lot mm. of things that vegetarians eat just make my, make me feel sick. Yeah. Mainly the, the beans are a big one. Yeah. And corn and right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be tricky if you can't include the beans. Beans are like such a staple of like any attempt at vegetarianism.
0: Yeah, it's like I can eat a small amount, but just like the levels of those kinds of things that you need to eat.
2: Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and you have to, I, I feel like when I was vegetarian, I had to consume just more like mass of food the course of a day to get the same amount of nutrition and so that's a lot of beans and lentils and whatnot
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's really cool though to see that it's so much easier to have vegetarian options now
2: totally yeah yeah it's like you can be in a small town (laughs) anywhere any town usa and and probably get by as a vegetarian these days i don't know if that was quite possible before It's also like regionally, I think where, where we live here in in New Mexico, it's just like the diet is so like meat and cheese based. (laughs) It's like, Mm. it's really tough. You know, it's as easy as it is to be a vegetarian. It's also like, I I believe there are probably some places where it's like easier than others.
0: Yeah. That's probably true. I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't know.
2: You're located in St. Louis?
0: Yeah, nice. yep. Have you ever been here?
2: I have, I've, I've been to the top of that arch a couple of times even.
0: Oh my, a couple of times? You, you really yeah. only need to do that once.
2: I know, I know. <laughs> once <laughs> when I was like a small boy, once when I was a grown man. So yeah, I was a different person each time. I have a friend, um, my friend Byron, I'm wearing a hat that says Byron. He lives in Columbia, Missouri.
0: Yeah, that's pretty close yeah, to me.
2: Yeah. yeah, which is like more in the center of the state. Do you consider yourself um, a Midwesterner? Yeah. Living where you do? Okay, interesting. For me growing up, I grew up in, like I said, central Wisconsin. I I think of Missouri as like the South, <laughs> which <laughs> must seem wild to you. Um, Yeah, I, I visited Byron a couple of years ago um, and we asked him that too. And he said, oh yeah, yeah, we feel like we're pretty like right square in the midwest which yeah i guess that's true as he said to me in his like light southern lilt of an accent
0: yeah i mean we're we're close to the south yeah but it's different when you go to the south i think yeah yeah
2: there's i uh, yeah these days like i definitely recognize like it's more of like the missouri is more of like a temperate zone in terms of like the the northern versus southern culture um yeah it's not like it's mississippi or anything
0: yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> have you had any travel experiences that have influenced your life?
2: Um yeah, actually um um we were talking about the Super Bowl earlier, right right now as we speak the Super Bowl <laughs> is happening and, <laughs> and and neither of us give a shit, so that that's cool. We're having our own podcast Super Bowl here. Um like 10 years ago I was really into the Green Bay Packers and they were playing in the Super Bowl that year and um this will all come back to travel in a second I promise <laughs> but um I watched the Super Bowl 10 years ago in an RV that I shared with a partner of mine um and we had been like we lived in this RV for a year traveling all over the country um And so that was probably the most meaningful sort of sustained travel experience of my life and like something I still kind of pine for. Um, Like Annie and I, every once in a while, like we've been looking at tiny homes and like, should we buy an RV? Should we just do that now? Um, So doing that, like just being able to see the country and being able to spend extended periods in a place that isn't home, but then sometimes like every day waking up in a new place and not being exactly sure <laughs> where we are, um, that was really cool. And that's what kind of um, made me sort of fall in love with the West. And that's what eventually landed me here in Albuquerque. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely like, as far as travel, like moving my body physically around the geography of the earth, like that, that was super meaningful and continues to be.
0: A year in an RV.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that must have been epic. Um, it
2: was. It was something. Yeah.
0: Probably going to do it at some point. Mm-hmm.
2: It's highly so. recommended. I think it. It only gets easier. Like back then, ten years ago, it was still like hard to get internet, and like there weren't nearly as many resources for people like trying to find like inexpensive or free places to stay or boondock overnight. And like, I think there's just such more of a community around it now. And there are more like young people doing it, people who aren't like old white retirees doing it. That was kind of the dominant culture back then. But I think these days it's, it's far more diverse and like there's a broader range of experiences and backgrounds and ages that, that go into it. So like, yeah, I would love it. I would love to do that again.
0: Yeah. I think waking up in different places, it's such a strong way to feed your creativity Yeah, and get new ideas.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, just close my blinds a little bit here. Um. Yeah. Like the shift in perspective is like, sometimes all it takes, like, I think it's like, we can run these deep deep grooves or tracks in our minds that like keep us repeating the same patterns and like, and we have our routines and the places we live and, and like so much of what we do is based on like where we're located and where we find ourselves so like anytime we can shake that up it's like like it can change everything and like yeah like the, the creative process gets renewed once again through that like there's so many different branches of the creative tree to explore when, when a person does that i think
0: yeah yeah i think of um like being like loops Mm-hmm. that run in your mind and you just you got to do something to disrupt those loops it could be any number of things but mm-hmm. if you just let them go they'll just like keep getting more tangled and keep being the same
2: yeah yeah and it, it, yeah it's just like walking like any trail through the woods like it's the, if that path is the path that's trod upon constantly it's like that's the path like and it's like there's nothing that's growing there all there are, are footprints and like you know, all the vegetation is elsewhere, all the, all the things that are growing are, are elsewhere, or it's like, you know, tracks in the snow, like you need a fresh snowfall to cover them up so you can make some new tracks, like that, that whole idea.
0: I was reading an article, I think it was recent, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but it was talking about how if you just use your left hand or your non-dominant hand for a week, mm. that's enough to start shifting so much in your subconscious because you have to actually think about what it is that you're doing and you're going to force yourself to do it in a different way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard that too. I wonder if it was the same source, but yeah. Yeah. Like that's yeah. It's just enough to like do something you aren't used to that, that kind of like requires like the gears to turn up there again. Like you can't just be on autopilot. Um, yeah, I wrote, um, for, Christmas, I gave Annie a, a Christmas gift from our cat, Montakea, and to um, and, I, and I wrote to Annie from Montakea, but I did it using my left hand so it would resemble the writing of uh, what a cat might write instead of my own beautiful handwriting. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember doing that thinking, God, I really have to think about this. I have to focus on this. I have to like be completely present for this. Whereas if I was writing with my right hands, like I could be watching TV or, you know, just not there at all.
0: Yeah. So what, I know we met via the Church of Chill community. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other communities are you involved with that support you being you?
2: That's a great question. I feel like Honestly, this is really one of the the first ones where I feel like um, like I don't have to like explain myself. It's like if if one is a member of this community, like there's a certain like set of characteristics like we can all kind of assume about one another, um, and so there's a shorthand. Like I don't need to explain what my music is about um, and have people just look at me with you know completely puzzled because they don't understand any of my references they they've never heard of Ween or whatever um yeah so it's this is a really it's been really special to connect with the church of chill community um and i don't i can't think of like any others that i'm involved in of course i have like community in real life um super supportive and loving community um but it's not like artistic community, you know, it's like, I'm appreciated and loved and and people value me in, in what I do. But it's like, um, it's like being a part of this sort of artistic community in the Church of Chill is, is like a different level, a different aspect. That's like, it's super inspiring. And it's like, knowing that there is like, I can envision now an audience for what I'm doing. It's it's like a collective muse almost for what I'm doing. I don't have to think about like playing in some brewery here in town with people who are like eating sandwiches and watching football and not paying attention to me. I don't need to worry about winning them over. I can think about like my people now and the people who are likely to like be vibing on the same wavelength with what I'm creating. So it's like super important. And I'm eager to find like, like other communities. And really what I want to do with my music is like to build community around that and community around like what I'm doing, the the stuff like I value. Um, And it's like all just one big Venn diagram where our communities are intersecting with each other and, and all that. So yeah, yeah. There are no other like strong communities I can think of that like, support me in what I'm doing in that way. What about for you?
0: I think locally I am involved with the, like the art community, Mm. which does support me. Like they've been great resources, great friends. Um, Mm. Some of them actually understand what I'm doing, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really thankful for that. Um, That's probably about it. I'm really Mm -hmm. thankful that I started listening to so many Mm -hmm. podcasts. And that's what inspired me to start a podcast. um, Mm -hmm. Because I just, at one point, I was just listening to so many different podcasts. And I'm like a creator person. So I was like, no, I can't just listen to all of this. I have to also get in there and play Mm -hmm. some role in the conversation here. Yeah.
2: Yeah the network of
0: podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, I didn't find the church of chill until maybe, I guess it was March. It's right around the time of, yeah. Right around the time of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it was great timing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And I definitely immediately just like highly related to everything that was going on in the idea of building a Mm -hmm. community around something and the value of art because like to me art is my religion i think Mm -hmm. yeah i would say it is Mm -hmm. it's like my spiritual practice and to have to know that there are that many other people out there connecting over that idea or similar ideas Mm -hmm. it's really cool
2: yeah it's it's like finding an oasis in the desert it's like yeah it, it exists like it's real like there are like there are others yeah um it's you mentioned um like starting the podcast like it's one of the shifts I had a couple of years ago was this idea of like input versus output I feel like I've spent so much of my life like receiving input and like over the last couple of years that's really shifted where I'm like all about output now like I don't have like a I used to have a spreadsheet of all like the TV shows I wanted to watch, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I got to get through this one so I can read all the articles about it or whatever. And just getting obsessed with things like that and like putting as much stuff as possible into my mind. And now it's like, I I had like a similar revelation as far as podcasts go. Um, Like, yeah, I listen to so many podcasts. Like I'm, I'm like inputting so much. It's time to like shift the flow of things. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's the kind, and it is like, it's religion. It's the thing that connects us. It's the thing that connects us to the broader universe. It's that's connected us with other people. That's like connected me with this online community now. And it's like connecting me with people who have like similar stories. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff.
0: Yeah. I know it's, it's so cool too to think about, and you have podcast, which we should talk Mm -hmm. about that too, after this, sure uh, but like this idea of that we can just be here having a conversation and then other people can listen to it and then they, that can spark their conversation and you know especially when you get into the idea of different podcasts connecting with different podcasts it's just like this mm-hmm. giant human network of voices across yeah across time space and
2: yeah, all distance yeah. 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 And it's like the weird, yeah, the whole time thing with podcasts is so interesting too, because it's like, who knows when anybody's going to listen to it and and like when that might be or yeah. Like it's weird to have, to get feedback on episodes of my podcast that I put out like, you know, seven or eight months ago, because like, I don't remember any of stuff i talked about really um but i get reminded and like to that person who just listened to it it's almost like they just had a conversation with me an hour ago um that i didn't have with them but i had by myself like six months ago um yeah it's a trip and um like there's this idea like there, like there's the podcast market is or or whatever is oversaturated there are too many podcasts and it's like i i like, I couldn't feel more strongly against that. Like, I wish everybody had a podcast, you know? Like, I love podcasts and, like, I love people having podcasts. And, like, otherwise, these conversations don't really tend to happen anymore. You know, I, I don't have talks like this unless I'm, you know, like, really deep in it with Annie and we're, like, grooving on a subject or, like, I'm talking with my therapist or, you know, somebody who's being paid to give me their attention. Like, you know, it's, like, these are where these talks are podcasts are where these discussions are happening.
0: Yeah, it's and it's such like a practice too of just sitting down to have a focused conversation. It's kind of a rare thing. Mhm. It's yeah, it's almost like to me it's like going against all other forms of social media.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's like the ultimate antidote for for it all. It's like the the big elixir for <laughs> for everything else that social media is about. Like yeah, this is where like the actual connection the long form ad free generally experience is happening
0: do you have a certain theme or motivation behind your podcast
2: it's um yeah my podcast is called the matt Colic show so it's um let's see I, I forget i have on the uh yeah the cover image the matt Colic show is a podcast about uh music Culture, psychedelics, art, or something like that. So that's kind of the general vibe. It's it's kind of a vibe similar to to this one, Archives for Aliens. Um it really just kind of started as a way for me to like just have another thing out there where I could like talk about music and talk to musicians. And um Annie really like motivated and convinced me to like get started on it because like she just like if the idea is to present like the for lack of a better term uh my brand like as authentically as possible like who i am as authentically as possible having me just sit and talk about shit for a while is a really good way to get the essence of this guy out there um so yeah, it's it's been like the first few episodes, like I, I told my whole awakening story and I talked a lot about how that tied into the year I spent in the RV. Um, that's one of the early episodes. I did um, a few interview episodes early on um, when it was still possible to do it in person with some local musician friends of mine. Um, and those are really fun. There's um, one with, um, there's a duo called Mary Dean, M-E-R-I-D-E-A-N. Um, it's a duo, a married couple, Jason and Melissa, they actually moved to New Mexico from Wisconsin as well. um, But under far different circumstances, they escaped a cult um, and moved to New Mexico. So their story is really interesting. I highly recommend that episode of the podcast. Um, They're also great musicians and friends of mine. Um, Then subsequent episodes have just been me on the mic, like talking about whatever has been on my mind Um, and, over the course of the last, I don't know, like ten months or whatever. So, you know, thinking about the world and everything that's happened, there's a lot that's um, I've thought about and over that that particular period of time, and a lot of stuff that's been on my mind. Um, a couple of episodes have been me like kind of taking a blog post I've written. I'm also a writer, and I have a blog that I update occasionally. Um, So occasionally I've done like episodes where like I'll expand on ideas that I presented in one of my blog posts. There's um, an episode of the podcast that's all about anxiety and my relationship with anxiety that was based on a blog post, but I kind of expanded on that. Um, And that's been one of the most downloaded and um, appreciated and fed back upon episodes. Um, So it's kind of about me, but it's about, Like establishing kind of who I am so people have a context for like what the music's about and what everything else is about, like, like, so people can have the full Matt Colick experience and to hopefully, like I was alluding to earlier to like build that community around the stuff I'm doing and hopefully have it not be so much about like just me in the future.
0: Yeah. Well, I know, I think something I really, really respect about all of the episodes I've listened to are, it's just how honest you are about everything mm-hmm. and how, how vulnerable you are. And you really, like you show up with the full story. So even when they're stories that are just about you, they, they get into these places that people don't usually speak about. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be so healing for everybody.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. This, at this point in my life, that's, that's all I want to do is like, I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to do it at this point. I recognize like how much, like I've, I've been sort of suppressing who I am and what I actually think and like trying to be a people pleaser. And then that, that type of person for so much of my life, like, like who gives a shit? Like why, why not just share like we all die, um, like, what, why are we not talking about the stuff that's important? Um, like, why Why am I afraid of being embarrassed? Or why am I afraid of what somebody might think about whatever thing I, I talk about or whatever vulnerability I'm sharing? Um, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. And what I've learned is that, yeah, like you're saying, like those me, me talking about that stuff somehow like resonates with people. Like, that's that's what people like want to hear like that's what I want to hear when I'm listening to a podcast or like re- reading somebody's writing like I'm I'm so over just superficial bullshit not being yeah real, not being authentic surface level garbage like uh, like I, I just don't have room for that in my life anymore so that's like I that the podcast kind of has to like like align with that set of values too you know
0: yeah yeah it's it's so refreshing just to see and hear behind all all the masks that are around us.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't I don't blame anybody for like not being completely vulnerable because it's like that's I mean, that's that's what we're told we have to be like, um is to like keep certain things under wraps and to like to fit in and to um, not rock the boat, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, but that's like, so yeah, that's, I, I, I can't do it like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's well, just, there's yeah. so much freedom mm-hmm. being in that space. I know I'm constantly yeah. working towards it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's like, I feel like it's, yeah, it's always going to be something I'm, I'm working on too, is like, how can I be more vulnerable, like, just noticing the areas where, like, I'm attached to old programs and old ways of being and old ways of, like, having to be around people to, like, make them not hate me or whatever, you know, Um, and to just continue, like, there's always more of that stuff, I think, to notice and to kind of choose to go in a different direction. And that's, like, there's so much fear around it and you know as i was saying before it's like the those noticing those fears like that that's the that's the direction that's the big flashing arrow that points you where you're supposed to go
0: oh i'm such a fan of that yeah. i think i've <laughs> talked about that on every, like every other one of these podcasts <laughs> yeah, do you ha- yeah. do you have any tips or ideas for someone out there listening who, who wants to take some more steps towards being more vulnerable
2: Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's, well, first, like, I think it's really important for a person to figure out what they actually want. And um, if someone doesn't actually want to be more vulnerable or, or, or can't see the connection between being more vulnerable and and, and and having a more realized, more rich and fulfilling life, then like that, that's okay. Um, but for those who do like feel the pull toward that and like are getting stuck, I think just cultivating awareness is super important. Um, meditating or it doesn't even have to be a like a practice, just, just taking time to have thoughts come in and, and notice them. And to, um, one really cool technique is to, um, like narrate your own experience as if like you're like like, like you're the narrator. He's arising from bed and drinking his water. Soon he will make a cup of coffee. Like to kind of narrate your life, it kind of it, it takes the perspective away. Um, and then you kind of notice like what you're doing or not doing based on fears you're having. Um, so that's a fun one. Another thing is to um, to try to think without using language um, to like, is it possible to have a thought about something without processing it, using language? Um, and I feel like there's so many things like we get caught up in. Uh, so many like problems we have are only problems because we have the language to describe them as, as such. Um, But what if we thought about them as without like, just on a purely emotional level, like just considering things on a purely emotional, non-language level, like opens so many doors and it reveals so much about what is possible for a person. Like, am I really afraid of that? Or have I just like constructed a story that like sounds like super fucking legit because like I'm good at telling stories. Um, What if I took the words away? Do the feelings still exist? Like it's not always true. Um, So that, that, that would be a challenge. Like think, think without using language.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I do think that people, we all have these different stories. It's important to check in on them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's like so insidious too, because it's like, they, they start like developing and germinating in the background and we don't even know their, their stories, but like after a while it's like, oh yeah, I'm like living this narrative and I'm like feeling like I have to do this thing because I have been doing that thing, you know?
0: Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other practices or rituals that are important to your daily life?
2: Um, I like to, um, it's really important. Um, I've found to like move my body, um, to like have a physical component to like so much of what I do as an artist, musician, writer is like just sitting in a chair uh, or just standing in a spot. Um, and like moving my body is like, super important. So what I like to do these days, I used to be a runner, but like my knees don't really agree with that so much anymore. Plus it's just like not fun. Like I don't like to do it. So um, lately I've just been taking like nine mile, nine, 10 mile hikes through the woods. Um, I live pretty close to the Rio Grande here in Albuquerque. And um, so I'll walk like four and a half miles down one side of the river across and walk four and a half miles up the other side of the river. Um, and just putting one foot in front of the other continuously. Um, like that's such a powerful practice and just focusing on like, there's, there's a step, there's another step. Um, and then at the end of it, I've walked like nine or 10 miles and my body feels a certain way. Um, like that's Yeah. I don't, I don't, there's like a connection there where it's like, I'm not at my best unless I'm doing stuff like that, unless I'm like really working my body, then like my mind can be like activated by that. I feel like.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. There's something to that. I don't think people understand what it is yet. It's definitely some like connection Mm -hmm. with your, your brain, your creative abilities. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's like, we, we have these bodies, you know, if we didn't have, if it wasn't useful to have bodies, we wouldn't have bodies. Like our consciousnesses would have chose some other manifestation. So like, it's pretty cool to have a body. And it's like, there's so many fun things to do with the body. And like, just like doing some maintenance here and there and feeding it well and like stretching and like, like paying attention to where the aches and pains are and like getting good sleep. Like it's all so important. Like, like, yeah, there's so much of my life. Like I didn't give a shit at all about like eating well or exercising or any of that. And like my creativity suffered, like my, everything about me suffered. So yeah, for sure. That That is absolutely one of the most essential practices.
0: Do you have any advice that you would share with your younger self?
2: Um, It's funny you should ask that. (laughs) I wrote a blog post recently that was in the form of a letter to my younger self. So um, if anybody wants to read that, it's on my website. The blog post is called Dear Little Matt. so in, in the essence of that is basically like, you've been through some shit, it was tough, um, but hey, here you are now. Um, so telling myself that it's all going to be okay, um, like when I'm in the psychedelic space or I'm in like sort of the dream world to the extent that I can like be lucid in the dream world, it's really important to, to contact that little guy and say, here I am, things are like really, really, really good, actually, like it feels like the good stuff is actually just beginning now, which is like so amazing to look forward to. Um, so telling my younger self to kind of hang in there, stick with it, um, and to like not diminish the spark that, that makes them special, like that's that's really important.
0: I love that and I did I did read that blog post and I do recommend that any listeners out there do check it out it was it was another one of those just so such an honest mm. view of that experience and yeah it, it got me to think a lot too about maybe things I hadn't mm. considered traumatic maybe in my childhood that because they weren't traumatic enough. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. What I would have told myself, and yeah, I really reprocessed some things.
2: Yeah, and it's been—it's um, really opened up the floodgates since I wrote that and um, let let that all out there. And um, in, in just background for the listeners, I wrote basically about a lot of the, the childhood trauma I experienced that I didn't recognize was trauma at the time, and yet looking back at the story of my life, like those things had a major negative impact on me and i realize now that yeah they were in fact traumatic um like certainly people have endured worse abuses but it's like not about like measuring those types of things on a scale um like what really happened was what really happened and the consequences of that were real too and the way i developed my means of coping and surviving and getting along in the world were all grown from those experiences as a child and so yeah there's a lot I've been like since then this whole past month has been like pretty tough like working through a lot of like heretofore hidden childhood trauma experiences that like just recontextualizing them as Like this used to be a funny story I told that people would like look at me funny because like they recognized I was describing abuse and I didn't. Um, Now I'm like, like recapitulating and recontextualizing those stories. And like, wow, that isn't a funny story. That was the time that thing happened to me that made me be like this for so long. Now, like I can recontextualize it and like you know put it where it needs to be and that allows me to move on like I don't have to be tied to those things anymore like I can understand them reckon with them name them what they are and like file them away in their place and know that I'm like today I am who I am and I get to do whatever I want (laughs) like I don't need to be you know I don't need to be tied to those experiences like I worked through them not not to say I won't have to continue to work through those things but yeah, I think you know what I what I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do. I think you do have to recognize them to be trauma to be able to fully like have them out of your general operating system. I guess. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, 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 and just and just knowing, like, there was so much self self loathing I had because I thought I just wasn't a a good enough person or like, wasn't competent enough or or was just like, there's something broken in me that didn't allow me to connect with people um, on any meaningful level, but it's like, no, there are are reasons for that. Like, it's it's not my fault. Like I was like conditioned in a way, I was shown models of certain behaviors that I tried to then take on myself because that's all I knew. Um, And it's no wonder like life ended up going the way it did, but like, thank goodness, like I'm able to like, to recognize those things and to like, let myself off the hook for those things. Um, and to, um, like not really, um, well, I do care about the consequences because like, um, talking about this stuff doesn't always land well with, with certain people, like certain people close to me. So, it, it's like being okay with whatever that reaction is going to be from people who are close to me, who maybe don't see what I experienced as, as trauma,
0: Hmm. you
2: know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That processing things publicly kind of does take it to a whole new level.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of pushback just on the idea of, like posting it publicly, Um, like that in itself is is a problem, according to some I've heard from, but the overwhelming, like majority of the feedback I've gotten has been positive and has been like, oh my God, thank you for putting this out there publicly. So like, I have absolutely no regrets about the public nature of how I share this stuff. Like, that's the whole point you know? Yeah. If I don't share it, it, it's like art. If it doesn't have an audience, then what good is it? If I, if these stories don't have someone to hear them and like someone to relate to them, like what, what good are they? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's another beautiful thing. I think about the internet and the idea that you can help motivate other people to share and process Mm -hmm. their experiences and then it'll have this trickle-down effect to helping a whole pocket of people for sure yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. and it's just like all i did was sit down and write about some stuff and hit publish (laughs) and yeah yeah it's really something how that works and and without the internet there's no way like it, it would have like had any impact at all like there would have been nowhere for me what would i have done like written a letter to the paper the newspaper (laughs) and ask them to publish it (laughs) i don't know so yeah yeah the internet like being around and going through this at this particular time in history when there are these means of expression and connecting with people is like there's like that's no coincidence like that's just more evidence that that's you know part of what i'm here to do or really all of us are here to do i think just to some extent
0: Could you put that into a sentence? What you think all of us are here to do?
2: <laughs> I think, um, let's see. I think we're all here to um, live as authentically as possible to experience life fully and vulnerably. There's gonna be a lot of commas and parentheses in this sentence.
0: It doesn't have to be <laughs> grammatically correct.
2: And. and uh, <laughs> probably more than one semicolon, uh, two or three M dashes, um, to live authentically, to to really experience things, to go towards fears, and to reckon with the, the consequences and to, to take the things that have happened to us and to to reposit them, to like recapitulate, to like re-contextualize. Like, I think that's like, we're ultimately here to create. And that's how we create is by experiencing life and taking our experiences and passing them through our filters and putting out them out there as like authentically as possible.
0: I like that a lot. I think <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> that, that was a very good sentence to put together on the fly.
2: Oh, thanks. <laughs> I commend you. I do like my day job, which hopefully I'm not doing anymore um, is as a, um, a content writer. Like I'm an, exec- an executive ghost writer. So I've written books and blog posts and email blasts for people who have like high powered positions, but um, don't have the time to write their own shit. So yeah, <laughs> like mm, coming up with I didn't know that part. We'll a particular have... skill of mine, yeah.
0: I might have to have you back on to talk about what that is like. <laughs> well, I definitely want to have you back on the podcast, but. <laughs>
2: oh, sure, yeah. Anytime Maybe
0: just time. to talk about what what that's like. That's really interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty fascinating <laughs> part of my life. I'm I'm pretty grateful to have been able to make a living doing that for a while. It's like, I've kind of hit a wall with it though, where I just can't like, it requires me to be in another person's head. and
0: Yeah, I, that's what you know? I was really interested in. I was like, you really <laughs> yeah. have to you know where this person wants to be coming from. It's mm-hmm. like stepping into another person.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. it is, yeah. And I like, there's just not as much bandwidth for that in my life anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, I um, bet
0: that really sucks up yeah. like where you can put your own creative energy.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. Like this last year, I, um, it was a, it was a part of the reasons why one of the reasons the album got delayed so long is like, I came face to face with a deadline for a book. I was writing, um, about scoliosis for a chiropractor. (laughs) (laughs) So I was writing in in the voice of this doctor who, um, is, is a world-renowned authority on scoliosis. So, um. And I had to write like um, to finish the book, like 50,000 words or something like that. And the deadlines were passing and getting extended and passing. And like, and I was thinking, ah, but I really just want to record my album. And like, I ended up doing nothing at all and just sitting in all this anxiety until like, I finally just took like four days, sat down, locked myself in my office and just, just bashed out that book (laughs) and spooked it off. That's Yeah. And that's kind of how the process generally goes. It's a lot of like, oh, sure, I'll take on that job. And then like six months later, like the deadline is a week away. Hey, how's the project coming? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what what project was that again? Um, yeah. And then I end up like like doing the whole thing in like less than a week. It's um, brutal. <laughs> I don't want to experience that again.
0: Yeah, that's scary and impressive. <laughs> Both. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Like it, it doesn't make me feel good though, but it's like, and when I finish it, the, the relief of like being finished with it isn't, it used to be enough to make up for the anxiety of love, like having a deadline hanging over my head, but now it's just not worth it anymore. The relief I feel when I'm finished with those projects just doesn't, it's not worth the whatever i put myself through like maybe every time i get one of these projects it's like i'm going to do it differently this time i'm going to do my research right away and like just work a little bit every day like write 500 words every day for like several months and it'll be easy and then it'll be done um but that you know the next day comes and like will i sit down to write 500 words or will i like you know, play guitar for two hours. I think I'll just play guitar for two hours. That thing isn't due for another 10 months or whatever. So yeah, and the cycle continues. Um, So hopefully I don't have to take on another project like that and the the music stuff can sustain me, but um, we'll see, (laughs) it's a skill I have. And like, maybe like one of the next graduations of my process in life is like to to find a better way to take on projects like that and to like be smarter about it and be kinder to myself about it. We'll see.
0: We'll put that wish out there for you <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. You. So you are in charge of giving, giving the listeners a challenge for this week. <laughs> and this challenge can be absolutely anything you can ask them to do or think or be whatever you want.
2: Hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Here, here's one that's just like simple and practical. I've noticed lately, like my dreams are coming back um, and being like a heavy cannabis user, like, it's, it, and I think this is typical, um, that like dreams kind of die off or get subdued quite a bit using cannabis. Uh, but for some reason, and I'm using as much cannabis as ever these days, like my dreams are like really roaring back and like, I'm remembering them. And so I'm inspired to, um, I used to keep a, a dream journal, um, I want to do that again, and so that would be my challenge for the listeners: is to um, do one week of dream journaling and uh, see where that that takes you.
0: That's perfect. I I really (laughs) really hope that everyone does this, especially because in about three or four weeks we are going to have a dream expert on the podcast. So this will be a great way to prep.
2: Wow, that's very exciting.
0: Yeah, I've I've been I've done some workshops, been in some of her workshops and my dream world took on a whole new life of its own pretty much Mm. from not remembering any dreams (laughs) so yeah
2: yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that's awesome
2: yeah yeah it's it's so powerful what what can happen when you just like write down a couple sentences of like whatever images you can retain like it can really yeah tell the story especially when compared with i don't know if you keep like a regular journal or do like morning pages or whatever but i do like regular journaling every day another practice i recommend um but like comparing like the regular journal to the dream journal and like noticing the you know how they intersect and yeah how that how they align with each other is really interesting
0: oh that would be really cool yeah (laughs) i'm not i'm not quite that organized but that sounds amazing
2: yeah 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 it's fascinating yeah like the other day i had a um Night day, I had a dream um, where I was I was helping the comedian David Cross. Do you know who David Cross is, by chance? I,
0: no, li-
2: listeners may or may not know. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's he's a comedian who is like. Um, he's like an edgy kind of hipster comedian. Uh, he was a half of the Bob and David duo of Mr. Show, uh, the classic sketch comedy show. But anyway, in this dream, I was helping him uh, through a breakup with the actress Evangeline Lilly, who played the role of Kate on the show Lost, a show I was obsessed with. So it was all—it was like um, I like helping David Cross, this cynical person, uh, break up with uh, this actress who played a role on this magical, super spiritual (laughs) show. Um, There's a lot of like my, in my regular journaling where I'm noticing sort of like the, those parts of me and like reckoning with like how they interact and how they need to break up and and live separate existences. So I don't know, (laughs) that was a connection I made recently with like one of my dreams and like how I'm thinking about stuff in my like waking life too.
0: No, that's really interesting. I think I think it's such a cool way to get in contact with your subconscious or unconscious mm-hmm. parts of yourself and start to like build the bridge between all the different parts and have those conversations within your mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. And in the dreams, like all the walls and restrictions and rules and dividing lines kind of go away like different like people who don't belong in a certain place or time can be in that place or time. And like that alone, just making sense of like those combinations is like there's a lot there too. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here tonight and missing the Super Bowl with me. <laughs> I really appreciate it.
2: It's been my pleasure.
0: <laughs> this yeah, has been a great yeah. Super Bowl party. And
2: it's one of the best. Yeah. Top 10 for sure.
0: (laughs) And I'm, I'm so glad that I got to know you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. I, although I I'll need to have you as a guest on my podcast, the Matt Colick show to uh, really, really get to know you better. But yeah, this has been a great chat, Jasmine. I really appreciate it.
0: Would you like to share uh, your website or any social media with the listeners? And I'll also put a link in the description.
2: Yes, the uh, the website is walmart.com. That's W A L No, that's not true. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um it's mattcolloc.com. That's M A T T K O L L O C K.com. Um that's where the blog lives, that's where the podcast lives. Um new episodes are posted there. Um episodes are also available on all the platforms uh, Spotify, iTunes and like all the weird obscure European ones, <laughs> or whatever. Um, I also have a Patreon that's patreon.com forward slash Matt Colick. Um, I post stuff there occasionally, like cover song videos, and um, I'm going to be throwing some rough mixes of songs up there soon. Um, I'm working on some uh, mixes of a couple of songs that you can put on this very podcast um, uh, that you asked for, which is motivating me to actually Get to work mixing my music. Uh, those will also be available for download on the Patreon uh, for people who want to subscribe there. Um, yeah, the website, the Patreon. Uh, I have an Instagram. I'm at Matt Colic. Lately over there, I've been having a lot of fun just doing like 10 to 20 minute improvised like electric guitar solos using like various different effects and stuff, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, just kind of running through all my influences from like Jerry Garcia to Jimi Hendrix and like everybody in between. Um, there really aren't that many people in between. My influences are very narrow (laughs) when it comes to guitar playing. Um, yeah. And the new album, Microorganism will be out soon. So stay tuned to the website for that. Uh, you can follow me on Spotify. I have an artist profile on spot Spotify where, um, I don't have any music up there. Well, I do have um, the theme song for my podcast up there. But if you follow me on Spotify or whatever streaming service, uh, then you'll be notified um, when the new album comes out, which will be very soon.
0: Okay, perfect. And <laughs> maybe it'll even come out before this episode comes out. And at any, when whenever it comes out, that link will get put in the description awesome. for the show as well. And the yeah. music for, for the show is by Matt. So you'll get to- hear hear you yeah hear you sing
2: yes 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 i'm very excited to get those mixes over to you um yeah i'm going to be um i talked about the song jump on top of the world with me that's that's one i'm going to send over and then um
0: oh sweet
2: yeah yeah i'm
0: so glad um, we touched upon it then too
2: yeah 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 that 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 one is really close to being finished and then there's another one called uh, giving the game away which is uh, sort of a different type of groove. But yeah, those will be the two (laughs) listeners can look forward to or may have already listened to on this podcast.
0: I think I'll put them right here. Perfect. (laughs) So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And I'll talk to you guys next week for more Archives for Aliens. Enjoy enjoy the extra music. Woo-hoo!
2: Thank you, Aliens.
1: I've seen how the sausage gets made. The cats out of the bag that I carry. My groundwork is getting late. Spilling all the beans with nothing up my sleeves. I'm giving the game away followed the tracks that you covered i got help from the fly on the wall i dug up some good dirt on your lover i took a look behind the eight ball spilling all the beans with nothing up my sleeves i'm giving Watched lots of pots get to boiling Crossed my heart and I'm still alive That snake in your grass is uncoiling Those rivers I've cried have run dry Spilling all the beans with nothing up my sleeves I'm giving the game away off of this thing Yes I will And the canary's gonna sing up my- Shots did we have places to be. Jump on top of the world with me. Yeah. The candles burning we can finally see. I pit it off to test the waters. I pit it off to